Hey guys, welcome back to Four Eyes, the podcast series that gives you a clear view into the optometry world across Canada and the US. We are your hosts. I'm Dr. Amrit Bilku. I'm Dr. Deepon Carr. Hi, I'm Dr. Bravinder Rindava. And I'm Dr. Alex Kuhn. In today's episode, we are interviewing Dr. Ray Tashira. She's an optometrist currently working in Toronto, Ontario, and she recently graduated from the Illinois College of Optometry. Ray recently experienced a concussion back in October 2020, and ever since then, she's been a huge advocate for concussion patients, and she's sharing her personal story as much as she can so that other healthcare professionals can understand what patients are actually going through when they are experiencing a concussion. So for today's episode, Ray will be talking about her journey through this traumatic event, all of the symptoms she was experiencing, and all of the therapy programs that she tried and that worked for her. So hopefully everyone listening to this episode today will learn a lot more about concussion symptoms and what patients are going through so that we can better care for our own patients. So Dr. Teixeira, thank you so much for joining us on the Four Eyes podcast. Uh, Before we dive into the interview, why don't you tell all of our listeners a little bit more about yourself? Okay, well, I'm so happy to be here and be talking to you guys. Um, So I'm from just outside of Toronto. I grew up in Canada, went to ICO for school. Um, And I guess I don't really have any great stories of why I got into optometry. I feel like everyone who became an optometrist has a really great story. Um, I was at Queen's University in Ontario. Okay, I'm, I'm looking yeah, at We don't know. None <laughs> of us are very unique in that aspect. Yeah, I was going to Queen's and I was on a pre-med track and I just decided that I didn't really like blood that much. So I, I thought I should figure something else out. Yeah. And I shadowed a dentist, I shadowed an optometrist and I really loved the optometry um, practice I was at. Um, I was also told I talk too much to be a dentist because no one can talk to me when you've got stuff yeah. in your mouth. <laughs> so I went to optometry school and I loved it. Um, I was always drawn to more of the BV um, courses. Um, I really like peds in general. Um, but I feel like we didn't really get a super strong clinical background in it at mm-hmm. ICO. Um, not, it's just what I felt. Um, but mm-hmm. I did one of my externships at Hellerstein and Brenner in Colorado. And I loved it. And I did a lot. We did concussion patients there. We had a lot of um, pediatric vision therapy, even adult vision therapy. And I learned so much there. And I was like, okay, this is definitely what I want to do. And Dr. Hellerstein actually connected with um, or connected me with my boss now in Scarborough. Um, So now I'm back in Scarborough. Um, I'm working at the Vision Care Center. And it's kind of a full scope practice, but there's a lot of specialty. So I actually, now I'm doing vision therapy as a patient and a doctor, (laughs) Um, but I'm also doing myopia control. And then we have one of our doctors is a nutritionist there. So it's kind of very interesting. So yeah. Um, So that's a little bit about me. I don't know if that's That's great. Yeah, (laughs) no, that I'm sure that will let everyone know, um, you know, how you you were interested in concussion and vision rehabilitation. Yeah. And now, like you said, now you're on the other end. You've also now become a patient. So, yeah. you know, and I had been seeing concussion patients. Like I saw them at Hellerstein and Brenner. I'd seen some in Chicago. And even when I started at the practice I'm at now, you see concussion patients. And I kind of had an idea 
you know, and we learn about mm-hmm. them. I did an elective with Dr. Zost at, or yeah. at ICO. Um, and, you know, you kind of think you know what's going on. And I thought I knew what was going on, but yeah. there's so much more. So I definitely mm-hmm. have a different perspective now. Yeah. Like no two patients are the same, right? And we course, always, of course, you know, want to categorize everyone. Um, so this whole episode is really going to be about your own concussion experience um, so that all of our listeners and all the healthcare professionals out there can understand the patient side a little bit more from someone who also understands the doctor side. Um, so the details you've been sharing about your concussion experience on social media has been very eye-opening, at least to us. And so would you mind sharing what happened and how you first found out that you had a concussion? Of course, of course. So yeah, I think that's a good perspective. I'm definitely not an expert in treating concussions. I'm learning more and more as I go. And now I'm, I've kind of ignited a fire to learn more because I feel like there's a lot more out there and a lot better ways to help patients than I'm currently equipped with. Um, but yeah, so I guess it was last October um, I actually went to have an IUD insertion. Um, so it was in the middle of COVID. Everything was still pretty regimented and the procedure went really well. I was totally fine. I was a little bit scared going in and they told me, okay, you can go check out, come back in four weeks, whatever. So I was standing at the window, um, ready to check out. And I remember thinking to myself, okay, I need to sit down. I'm like, I feel faint. And I woke up literally on the floor in a pool of my own blood. So it was like a cement floor. I had fallen backwards and hit the back of my head. Um, and do you know when you wake up from a nap and you're like, oh, I don't know where I am. That's how I felt. And then yeah. I was like, oh my God, what's going on? Um, so it was a pretty traumatic fall. Um, they actually had to resuscitate me with um, IV atropine. And when in situations like these, I always make the worst jokes. Like I'm half out of it. And I'm like, that's a lot of eye drops. They're showing me like the bag they're putting. I'm like, that's a lot of eye drops as an optometrist. (laughs) I'm thinking of atropine. And they're all looking at me like I'm crazy. (laughs) So anyway, uh, they resuscitated me and they kind of got me stable. Um, And then I had driven myself there. So I had to call uh, my sister to come pick me up. Um, and then I went to the hospital. They were mostly concerned with stopping the bleeding. Um, I didn't, no one checked my pupils. No one did any brain scans. No one, you know, nothing really. Oh, wow. They just, yeah. No they CT just scan wanted of to the get, head? No. And learn that I from mean, Grey's Anatomy. Very, very <laughs> you <didn't. laughs> And you know what? Like now, like, okay. Now when I think back to it, I'm like, okay, I should have asked, but because of COVID, I wasn't allowed to have anyone in there with me. And I had no idea. My sister had literally written down on the paper, okay, these are the emergency contacts. This is what day it is. This is, you know, your phone is in your bag. Like I had no idea what was going on. So it's really hard when you have to go. I also looked like I just came out of a crime scene. Like I was covered in blood. I'm like, oh my God, my hair. (laughs) So, So it was really hard to communicate and it's really hard to advocate for yourself when you're not thinking straight. Mm-hmm. Um, that in a nutshell is what happened. So wow. <laughs> How yeah. long were you unconscious for on the floor? I, so actually I requested an incident report afterwards. I don't think it was very long. I think it was like three minutes or so, mm-hmm. two or three minutes. Um, I obviously had a concussion. <laughs> I fell, I hit my head. I was bleeding from my head. I lost consciousness all mm-hmm. those things. You know, you're like, okay, concussion, but there's so many people out there who bump their head or, 
you know, or maybe who had a concussion previously and are getting smaller concussions, or I shouldn't say smaller, but are getting reconcussed afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's some people think, oh, you have to lose consciousness to have a concussion or whatever. And that's not the case. What were your first initial signs and symptoms of the concussion? And when did you decide that it was time to seek help? Okay, so I guess when I hit my head, my head bounced. So I had a lot of whiplash symptoms in my neck and whiplash in and of itself can give you a concussion just from that. Mm -hmm. What is it? Coup counter coup forces in the Mm -hmm. head. I just remember a diagram in a textbook somewhere. Um, So my neck was really sore. I was in so much pain. Um, My balance was really bad. Walking was really hard for me. Um, I was pretty light sensitive, but not too bad. Um, and I was exhausted. Like, honestly, I'm someone who I wake up at 6am workout. Like that's, you know, that was me prior. (laughs) I was sleeping for 18, 20 hours a day. Like I could not, um, like I would do something, it would exhaust me and I'd have to go back to sleep. Um, I related stuff, focusing, like focusing up close. I didn't do that for a couple of days after the concussion, but focusing on a computer was a no-go phone. I blue light or any sort of like device was really hard for me. Mm-hmm. I think that just comes like even sunlight, like if I was to go into the direct sun, yeah. it was just a little bit too bright. Um, and then I was pretty depressed right afterwards too. And I think that's one of the symptoms people don't often think about. I don't like, I had just, I mean, first of all, paid so much money to go to school to put so much information in my brain. And now I'm like, what's going yeah. on? Everything's gone. You know, like that was really hard. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to process things. Like, I broke my ankle recently. I'm like, okay, that hurts. It's painful, but it's okay. Like, I can still think, I can still talk to people and communicate. Like, not only are you in pain with a concussion, but you kind of feel lonely. Like, you don't really feel like you can interact with the outside world very much. You are right. Um, not a lot of people actually mention just in general mental health symptoms of depression, yeah. anxiety, PTSD. Now I'm thinking yeah. about it. Um, I feel like at least as optometrists, we're just thinking of the balance, the motion sickness, the eye focusing, the double vision. We're not remembering that, you know, when you go through something so traumatic, you don't even feel like yourself anymore. Like you just lost a part of yourself. Exactly. I felt like a completely different person. I used to like jump out of bed in the morning and get going and I'd I'd wake up in the morning and I was so tired. I didn't want to do anything. You know, like it was, it was very, and that it scared me. I think I was, I was scared of kind of what was going to happen. Cause I didn't know there was not like when you break a bone or something like that. And they say, okay, you're going to wear a cast for four months and then you're going to be fine. Or, you, you know, you need surgery and then you're going to be fine. No one could really tell me, you know, how much better it would get, what I should do, you know? So it was, it was hard in that sense. Yeah. And how long were you off work for, right? Not, not long enough. I don't think so. I actually went back to work. Um, I think within that week I went back, I tried to go. Yeah. Ridiculous. I went back (laughs) for the morning. Um, and I, I tried to see a couple patients and I just couldn't because I mean, they'd stopped the bleeding. I looked fine. Um, but I just tried to go into work and my boss said, okay, do you think you're okay to come in? I was like, I can try. I, I mm-hmm. honestly don't think I'm going to be very good. They cut down my patient load, but I ended up going home at lunch. I took, I think I took one or two weeks off just to really mm-hmm. rest um, because I, I realized like how bad I was initially. I think you're like, okay, I hurt myself or I'm sick or whatever. I keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I realized it's not something that you can kind of push through. <laughs> so 
yeah. that was a big thing I learned with that. So you're off for like about three weeks then roughly. I would say, yeah, I would say probably less, probably two weeks I was off. Yeah. Um, and then I, I started back, but I started back at a reduced patient load. Um, mm-hmm. I was still really tired. So it was really hard for me to work a full day. So I'd take an extra long lunch and I'd actually go into my exam room and sleep <laughs> during oh. my lunch period. Yeah. And then I, I, um, I think I was only working three days for a while, three days a week. And then I worked my way back up. Yeah. So this is, yeah. Kind of like also reminds me of like one of our, another episode we did was on uh, um, finance and like he talked about like uh, disability insurance and he's yes. like, you'd never know when something's going to happen to you. And like yeah. a lot of us are independent contractors. So when we yeah. don't work, we get nothing, nothing. Yeah. And, and you know, so as that's being new thing. grads, like we're like, we need to work. We got to pay off our debts and yeah, we got a lot of things we got to work on, right? Like financial wise. So, and that's exactly, I had just, yeah, it was stressful. I, so I didn't have disability insurance. I had literally just graduated. I had just started in, I think the end of August, beginning of September. And I had just signed up for all my insurance. I'm like disability insurance. I'm like, no, who's going to need that? (laughs) Not me. I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I have it now. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine if she said, uh, I still don't want to pay for it. It's not worth it. <laughs> but you know what? It is so much harder to get insurance after you've had mm. injuries. Yep. So yep. anyone, any new grads out there, get the disability insurance. Yep. And yeah, just do it. Amrit, Rav, do you guys have disability insurance right now? I, I'm, up- <laughs> She's like, I'm going to <laughs> I'm going right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I keep telling myself like after the episode, okay, yes, I'm going to get disability insurance, but I just haven't gotten around to it. But yes, I, I will. I love how you brought up the important point too. I know. She's yeah. Like, so- yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm actually currently applying for it. So my application has been, it has been being processed for three months now, four months. Oh, think about how long it, it could take. I think mine's going to come in a year. Like it could take a while. Yeah. So yeah, I would recommend getting, you know, starting that process, at least seeing I what papers. Forward. I thought you just fill I, out one form and you get it right away. <laughs> I have no, I have no clue. So, I mean, it could be faster for other people, but I think that's the point. It's just, you never know how long it'll take. Yeah. You don't know what paperwork you're probably missing. And yeah, you should definitely like look into it and make a checklist now of like the things you'll need to apply for it. Always better to be prepared, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. you never yeah. know what's going to, I hope nothing happens, but you never know. But yes, yeah. <laughs> yep. We want to take a quick second and thank our sponsor for this episode, which is Cooper Vision. Did you know that more than 40% of Americans have myopia? The number is increasing at an alarming rate, especially among school-aged children, and it hasn't helped that many have been spending more time indoors or in front of screens during the ongoing pandemic. So fortunately, us optometrists have the opportunity as eye care professionals to help slow myopia progression. And when it comes to myopia control in children who are 8 to 12 years of age at the initiation of treatment, MySight One Day is the one for myopia control. It may be the one for your age-appropriate patients as well. And we have good news. Certification is now open to all eye care professionals for Cooper Vision's Brilliant Futures Myopia Management Program featuring MySight One Day, 
the first and only soft contact lenses FDA approved to slow myopia progression in children aged 8 to 12 at the initiation of treatment. Once you complete your certification, you will also have access to resources and support that will help you communicate with parents, grow myopia control in your practice, and make a difference for age-appropriate children with myopia. So act today and change tomorrow. To get started, talk with your CooperVision sales rep or visit coopervision.com for more information. Now, back to our interview. Um, so Ray, can you talk about the different treatments and therapies you have tried and what you feel like helped you the most and what helped you the least? Okay. So yes, there was a lot of things I tried right at the beginning. So I guess, first of all, when I was growing up, I, my parents are very funny in the sense that my mom is very into Eastern medicine and homeopathic, you know, remedies and all that, which is fantastic. And my dad is the kind of guy who, when you have a cold, he'll go to shoppers. Anything that says cold on it is going in the cart and you're taking every medication, you know? So (laughs) I kind of was raised with both. So I am open to, I I think there's benefit in Eastern and Western medicine. I think a balance is always good. Um, So I'm open to everything. So after the concussion, um, I almost felt like a kid. I was open to anyone's suggestions. I was open to people taking care of me and helping me. And I luckily had a fantastic support system. Um, so I went to an osteopath and they did fascial release on my jaw. So I, I couldn't chew for a while because of the impact. Um, so they did fascial release on my jaw and just, um, massaged and it actually did feel that was good for pain relief. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the first couple of weeks I was going to massage for pain relief as well. Um, I think the first little bit was just solely geared towards my pain. Um, and then I actually started vision therapy really early. So I started at around two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's only because I work in a vision therapy practice and I had access to that. Um, but I feel like often by the time we get patients, it's not immediate. That's mm-hmm. not the first thing they think of. Yeah. Um, so I'm very thankful I started right away. Um, I actually, my boss, Dr. Kieran Ramesh, she's like a vision therapy guru. She's fantastic. Um, but she did an evaluation on me. Um, I definitely broke down crying a couple of times during the evaluation. Um, and I think that's one thing to remember too. Um, it's really emotional and I can't mm-hmm. even explain why, but it is. So even NPC, they were doing NPC on me and she was bringing it close to my face and I broke down in tears. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just, it's hard when you know you could do something before and you yeah. can't do it anymore, you know? Yeah. Um, and I actually early on got, um, yoked prism glasses. So I got just some glasses made and it was actually 0.25 base down yoked prism. And if you would have told me that before my concussion, that that was going to help me, I would have said, you're absolutely crazy. (laughs) I just think that's nuts. Mm -hmm. So what Dr. Amesh did, she got me to walk down the hallway. Um, it looked probably like I was drunk. I couldn't balance. I, I was falling everywhere. I wish I had a video of this. I was falling everywhere. And then she put yoked prisms on me and I walked straight down the hallway. So it was pretty awesome. That was helping me a lot at first with my balance. Um, and then also throat vision therapy. I'm, I think I'm at about 30 weeks of vision therapy now and I'm almost done, which is great, but I've done syntonics. I know you guys had, mm-hmm. is it mm-hmm. Dr. McKenzie? Is that yeah. who it was? Yeah. Speaking about the syntonics. And that has been hugely helpful. She was saying about, I think it was Upsilon Omega D is the mm-hmm. one she was saying. For, and that was my lifesaver. Yeah. They're a dark, like 
almost blue purple glasses. Um, And whenever I'd have a headache coming on or sometimes even just when I was getting overwhelmed, I would put them on um, and it really helped calm down my whole system. Mm -hmm. Um, So Syntonics, vision therapy, um, and then with Syntonics, they do this thing. It's like an optic nerve massage. They kind of get you to look at this grid and they, you have to follow this target and it just kind of releases everything. Um, it felt really, really good. Um, and I saw a psychotherapist too, just to kind of deal with the trauma of what happened. Yeah. Um, and that was really helpful because a lot of the things I w- that were coming up throughout vision therapy were really emotionally driven for me. So I remember we were doing with the Mars and ball, we were doing ball tap with a, um, a pole mm-hmm. and I broke down. I was kind of hyperventilating and then I broke down crying and my therapist said to me she's like what's going on and it was the sound of the rod hitting the ball that reminded me of the moment I hit my head and I think I was unconscious by the time I hit my head but for some reason that sound it just really got to me so Mm -hmm. I was dealing with a lot of trauma and I think that's something that we can coach our patients a little bit better to do as well um Mm -hmm. the emotional is tied so deeply into the way the rest of our body functions. And I think dealing with that helped my recovery a lot. Um, I was also referred to a neurologist. Um, Mm -hmm. So because I didn't have any brain scans or anything like that, I thought that would be good. But once again, this is all during COVID. So it was a virtual evaluation, Mm -hmm. um, which, you know what, it's kind of the best you can do at this point. Um, And he kind of said I was doing okay. Um, and he prescribed me ADHD medication, um, to get over the hump in the meantime. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't end up taking that. And that was my personal decision. I hadn't been drinking coffee since my concussion. I hadn't been, you know, taking any supplements to try and get my energy up mm-hmm. because I was trying to really listen to my body. Mm-hmm. I'm someone who's very good at, you know, pushing through and go, go, yeah. go. And that, that is something I've always been very good at. And that was something I was very careful throughout my recovery not to do. So I didn't want to, if I was feeling tired, I'm like, okay, I'm tired. I'm going to take a nap as Mm -hmm. opposed to, okay, I'm tired. I'm going to drink a coffee and, you know, do more. So I just thought based on my own, you know, knowing myself, I thought that it wasn't best for me to take a stimulant to just get through the hump. But I think for a lot of people that could be helpful. Uh, How long did you wear the yoked prisms for? I would say, so it was hard for me to wear glasses um, because having something on my head was Mm -hmm. so painful. So even, Mm -hmm. it sounds crazy, but even that little bit of pressure would trigger like a huge headache for me. Mm -hmm. So I would wear them when I was walking around or when I was driving just to feel a little bit more grounded. Um, But I honestly, I probably wore them for about two months. Okay, Mm -hmm. wow, that's still a long time. Yeah, yeah, it was, it's a very small amount and still, I would probably put them on if my balance ever got off or anything like that, I would put them on. But one thing that helps if my balance is off is trying to open my periphery and just being aware of my surroundings. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that, I mean, we probably all learned in school, tunnel vision with a concussion, everything comes in. That's why we're all so, um, there's sensory mm-hmm. overload all the time. Um, and I understood that in theory, but it really is quite overwhelming when you can't process all the information around you and you don't even realize you're closing off your space. So just I'd sit there and and I'd try and look at my periphery and open it up. And that really helped. 
Just to review, you did mention a few healthcare professionals that you were referred to. Were there any other healthcare professionals that I guess you wish you were referred to? Like, I know off the top of my head, I'm thinking nutritionist as well, because sometimes nutrition can help balance your um, system again, um, or a physiatrist, you know, any, any others that you would recommend? Yeah, I think nutrition is a huge, a huge component. So I, I wasn't directly referred to a nutritionist, but one of the optometrists I work with is also a nutritionist. So he kind of coached me through it. Mm-hmm. Um, I stopped drinking coffee. Um, like I said, after my concussion, which is absolutely not necessary for someone after a concussion, but I just didn't want to push myself too hard. Yeah. It also dehydrated me every time I had coffee. So I found one of the big things, honestly, for me after my concussion with nutrition was drinking a ton of water. Like mm-hmm. I have a huge water bottle and I have, I'd have to drink like almost two liters of water a day. And that would kind of keep everything at bay and keep me, you know, good. And I was always, I always tried to be good at drinking water before, but it was, it became absolutely necessary afterwards. So yeah. Yeah. I, at our practice, we do a lot of um, visual processing and Mm -hmm. the cognitive side of things. So that was good. But if someone, you know, if you don't have that at your practice, I think referring someone for cognitive testing um, would be great. They yeah. did, they offered that to me at the neurologist. So there's a couple centers who do that. Um, and then depending on the level, I'm, I'm thinking from my own perspective, but there's so many different degrees of traumatic brain injury. So even occupational therapy, I think would be helpful. Yeah, that's a great list. I think for anyone who, who doesn't deal with concussion and has a patient who's mentioned that there's a concussion, have that little list of referrals that you can send them to. Don't just send them back to their family doctor or just a VT optometrist, right? You can tell them, Hey, I'm going to write this letter for you. And you can, you know, let's give this letter to a nutritionist, a physiatrist, a, you know, acupuncturist, a family doctor, a neurologist, like have that list and be like, these are all the people you should see. Maybe not all in the same week, but (laughs) these are all the people that you should connect with because again, like recovery for concussion can take months to years. So why not connect with all these people that you need to talk to? So so this happened about nine months ago. About when did you start feeling like yourself again? Or you felt like, okay, I I feel like a me now. (laughs) Yeah. So, oh my God, I just got emotional for that. No, that's okay. I don't know. I haven't cried over this in so long. Um, I'm like, (laughs) sorry. Here. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It was a really long, it was a really, really long road to get back to kind of feeling myself. Oh gosh. Um, I think the first couple of weeks were really hard. Mm -hmm. Um, It did take a couple months. So I'd say the first couple of weeks were really hard over the first three to four months. I started seeing like huge gains, especially in vision therapy. Um, my accommodation was getting better. My focusing, you know, accommodation and focusing and same thing. Accommodation <laughs> was getting better. My virgin system was getting better. I could sit in front of my computer without being in extreme pain. Um, and then it started to plateau um, around the three to four month mark. And I think I started running into more of the de- developmental issues that I maybe had before my concussion with my eyes that I could have used vision therapy for. Um, but I still, one of the big things for me is my memory and my cognitive functioning. Um, 
And I really didn't start to feel myself until probably May of this year. Mm -hmm. Um, And I started to like, even just to the point where I would, you know, want to get up early and go for a workout, or I started running again in, I think it was April or May that Mm -hmm. I started running again. And that was a huge thing for me. Um, And just taking it slowly and doing that. And I didn't really, it was almost like a month after I started feeling myself, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm back. You know, (laughs) I'm starting to feel a lot better. Um, Because I mean, initially I had my head all bandaged up. I looked like, you know, a mess, but then I looked fine, right? I I looked fine. I was, you know, interacting with people. Unless I'd lose my train of thought, you didn't really know that I was suffering at all. Um, So it is really an invisible injury. Like right now, my foot's broken. I'm walking around with a big giant boot cast. And, um, you know, you can tell that (laughs) I'm injured. Mm -hmm. People offer to hold doors and help you out. And, you know, it's, it's something that people understand versus Mm -hmm. having a concussion people don't understand they don't know how to help you in the way you need to be helped and for me it was really hard to ask for help and that's one thing I had to get a lot better with um but I am feeling a lot better now and I'm feeling more of myself um I was even I was driving home from work I work at a different practice on Saturdays I was driving home and I've done this drive so many times and I remember thinking I don't remember where I live. All I could remember, honestly, the only place I could picture in my head was my apartment in Chicago, which was helping no one at at that (laughs) point in time. So, you know, and for me, I was just trying to figure out how to get into my parking garage. So I was like, okay, I don't remember where I live. And previously that would have terrified me, but I've dealt with this so much now. I know how to process through it. So I, I, just took a moment. I took a couple of deep breaths. I acknowledged the fact that I didn't know where I lived and I tried to figure, figure it out. So what I ended up doing was visualization and I was driving while I was doing this. So I was just driving and I was trying to picture where, you know, where I lived. And so I tried to think, okay, where have I been comfortable? And I could picture myself in my bed. I was like, okay, I'm in my bed. I know where that is. And then I pictured the rest of my room. And then I walked down my hallway in my apartment to my front door. I walked to my, you know, my elevator and I walked down to, in my head, I walked Mm -hmm. down to the parking garage and then I was able to, you know, so it was all visualizing that and just working through that block in my, in my mind, because that's one of the things that happens is it's almost like I'll be thinking of something and then something just comes down and I can't think of, I can't remember anything past that. So that's a way that I deal with it is I just take a deep breath, slow down and try and process through. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think giving people time to do that. And, you know, especially if you're working with a patient and they're trying to get something out, just giving them time to process things and giving them the tools to help process is a huge thing. So, yeah. Have you ever noticed that kind of memory loss while you're even practicing? Like if, if you're like refracting or something, you just kind of go blank for a second and you're like one moment, please. (laughs) It's just like, uh, it's like one or one or something, but I, but I don't know what I'm supposed to ask you. Yeah. Because because that would be pretty like, cause the patient doesn't know what's going on with you. And then if you're just like, can you just give me a couple seconds here? And you're like, Oh, what's happening? Like, right. That's really terrifying. So it is. So that was something that that I I don't deal with as much anymore, unless I'm really tired. Um, but first of all, numbers for me, like 
to look at the computer and think, okay, these are the numbers I have to plug into my fropter. By the time I'd get over to the fropter, I'm like, what the heck numbers? <laughs> I have no idea. None. Yeah. Yeah. So that was hard. But then, yeah, when I'd be talking to a patient, I, you know, I'd be explaining something like, okay, so it looks like you have cataracts. Uh, and, and then my mind would go blank. And I've just told them they have cataracts and I've got nothing else. I literally, so I'm, I'm like, so I'd take a deep breath. I'd look at my computer, pretend I'm, you know, doing something. And then I'd yeah. come back and just giving myself that time. That's something I learned to do if I needed time to process and really slowing down because yeah. I think all of us are very high functioning and we're used to go, go, go all the time. And I really had to give myself grace and slow down. Yeah. And I think it actually made me a better clinician in the long run, because I, I truly, I take pauses. I let my patients speak more than I speak most of the time. Um, and it just allows me to process things more fully, if that mm-hmm. makes any sense. But yes, that did definitely happen. I'd be explaining something mid-sentence and totally forget what I was talking about. Um, I'd make a joke about it or I'd just, you know, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, that's a very real thing that happens a lot. Um, so Ray, how has this overall experience changed the way you view TBI patients and the way you practice if you came upon a a concussion patient in your own chair? I think we've touched on so many things. Mm -hmm. Um, I think first of all, recognizing that there's a huge emotional component. I think mm-hmm. we've talked a lot about the mental health aspect of it and trying to support them through that um, is big. And just throughout, if you're going to be doing vision therapy or whatever therapy you're going to be doing, just really focusing on the emotional aspect of it and, you know, trying to nurture that and support that. Um, I think it's also kind of important to remember in school, we learn, okay, you get a concussion and you're going to have probably double vision, probably not going to be able to focus up close. You're going to be really sensitive to light. You'll definitely have headaches. And those are things that we all recognize. So if someone comes in telling us any of those things, it's, you know, okay, have you hit your head or anything like that? Um, And it's always good to ask, have you hit your head just to know, because some people don't even realize they've had a concussion. Um, But one of the things people won't come see us for is visual processing. And that is one of the big things. That's really, truly what I struggled with most um, mm-hmm. is my visual memory and just my processing speed. Um, and that's what people really need to come in and get a neural visual evaluation for. Um, and it's really important that we do a full evaluation on these patients and kind of look at all the different pieces because that's an area that we can really help people in. Mm-hmm. And most people who I tell now that I've had a concussion as well, they break down crying. Sometimes I cry. It's a hot mess. You know, everyone's, everyone's, um, everyone's crying by the end, but it's just (laughs) kind of creating a safe place for them to feel really comfortable with you and open up. Um, and also creating opportunities, almost like screening patients for concussions. Right. So, like I said, I had a very obvious concussion. I split the back of my head open. I was unconscious, you know, very dramatic situation, but some people get concussions and they don't know about it. So even just doing an NPC on someone and, you know, this might not be related to a concussion, but you can always ask if they have a really receded NPC, just say, have you, you know, ever bumped your head or anything like that? Mm -hmm. Um, Also, I think Dr. McKenzie had talked about, um, we call it the alpha omega people, but it's Mm -hmm. where you shine a, a light in someone's eye and you watch, you know, obviously the people, um, 
what is it constricts wait no I can't remember yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it constricts and then it blows up again right so mm-hmm. when they did that on my pupils they constricted slightly and then they blew up so mm-hmm. if you think a someone even just emotional stress or if you think someone's had a concussion recently that that's a good indication as well and especially yeah. that syntonics will help um also after going through all of this myself I think a couple months into my therapy my sister started realizing okay these are a lot of things that I've had problems with she used to play rep soccer as a kid and she is very high functioning she's a nurse at sick kids she's fantastic but she always struggled with reading and mm-hmm. we actually put her in the readalizer and or the visigraph and tracked mm-hmm. her reading and she reads at a grade four level. And wow. so there's so many things. The fact that she's been able to get to where she is today is incredible. Um, but my sister is now going through vision therapy, I think 10 years after her last concussion and it's yeah. helping her immensely. Even her speech and the fluidity of the way she talks has improved. She never used to read books and she's reading books again. You know, like there's just little things um, that help a lot. And I think the important thing is, and that patients don't realize it doesn't have to be a concussion that just happened. Like you can have post-concussion symptoms, I mean, for your whole life, unfortunately. So it's never too late to treat someone um, and just kind of having that discussion and recognizing who's had issues in the past. I think you said all of that perfectly, Ray, that your entire story today has just, I think it's really given a lot more awareness to everyone listening of what a concussion really feels like for your patients. What are they going through? What are they struggling with? And what are we not paying enough attention to, right? Because you just said as optometrists, it's always headaches, accommodation, double vision, light sensitivity, throw on some FL 41 tinted lenses. You're, you're good. I got this. I know how to do concussion. I'm good, Yeah. (laughs) but there's so much processing, um, that's going on behind the scenes and that visual processing, those visual processing skills are what's really slowing down the patient and what's really making them struggle. That was great, Ray. I think you did such a great job. You really held it together today. And it just shows. I only cried once. (laughs) (laughs) You only like half cried. The the tears tears were like, the tears were like in the lacrimal lake, but they didn't actually (laughs) drip. So you're good. It doesn't count. It doesn't count. Uh, yeah, that honestly shocked me. I was like, what? who's yeah. crying right now? <laughs> but I mean, oh, clearly, boy. I, yeah, I, um, thank you so much for coming That's on our funny. podcast and sharing your story. Um, you're being very vulnerable right now. So I think everyone will really appreciate that. Um, for anyone who's not already following you on Instagram, we will put your link uh, down below in your handle because, you know, you're sharing a lot of your concussion story on there too. With concussions, I think I mentioned this, you feel very lonely. Um, mm-hmm. It's not like you have a cast or anything like that, where people know that you're struggling. Mm-hmm. So having a really good community to support you is awesome. And I found um, Sylvie is actually um, the woman who started the concussion community. And that's, I'm doing lectures from them. I stopped in the summer because I'm taking a little bit of a break, but I'll start up in September again. Um, and just talking about neurooptometry and how we can help with that. Um, but it's called the concussion community. It's based actually out of Amsterdam. Um, but a lot of the members are from the United States and from Canada. So 
from all over the world, really, but it's a bunch of like-minded professionals coming together. Um, there's hypnotherapy, there's neural optometry, there's um, like life coaches, there's neurologists, there's so like PT, OT, there's mm-hmm. so many different um, people coming together. There's yoga sessions. There's, I mean, there's everything. Uh, and there's a really great nutritionist who's involved with them as well. So even just kind of, I think that would be a great resource for patients too. Um, I can send you the Instagram page for that as well. Yeah. It was so good talking to you guys though. Yeah. And I hope you have a great night. You too. You, too. you take care. Okay. <laughs> okay. Bye guys. Bye. bye. Thank you to everyone for listening to Four Eyes. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating to give us feedback on how we're doing. You can also check us out on Instagram at Four Eyes Optum for more content. Look out for new episodes every Wednesday. So until then, stay tuned. Stay tuned.